Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to a throw-in episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner. And I completely forgot my introduction for Mason. Oh, we're off to a great start here, folks. All right, cut, cut, show's done, right there. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs> Welcome to a throw-in episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our studios in Southern Illinois is a man who is a must-follow on Twitter because he watches only the worst games that you should avoid in MLS. It's producer Mason. How you doing, Mason? Uh, I'm okay. Uh, yeah, so I watched, uh, the, I watched the first half of Atlanta Salt Lake I watched the first ha- only the first half of DC Columbus, and then I watched all of Nashville, Seattle, and that was it. <laughs> I have finally learned to compare notes with him because uh, he is do dead not, on on Do this. not watch the yeah. games that I watch. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us from somewhere in a cave in St. Louis County is a man who is ready for his call-up to play defense for Toronto FC or Atlanta United because apparently they have no one else. It's Sean Campbell. How you doing, Sean? Are those boots? How are the cobwebs on your boots? Uh, I think, I think uh, depending on where I go, I have turf cleats and I've got my, my regular grass cleats. My grass cleats are nice and ready to go. The turf ones, they, they've got some dust I got to get off. Hey, yeah, you could... You know, you could probably really help those two teams, and now the salaries in MLS are actually worthwhile for playing. <laughs> but we got a... tryouts again. Yeah, what's, yeah. what's league minimum? <laughs> well, it's now like over a hundred thousand. Used to be like, you know, ten thousand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I might be able to afford a house on that. I was gonna say, <laughs> if they just need a body, I'll take six figures. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we had such a big, 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 big show for our usual one that we had to spin off and do other things. Now we've had some breaking news, and we got a big, 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 big show again for you. So let's start off with uh, actual, some breaking uh, St. Louis City SC news, sort of. Uh, City 2 head coach and director of coaching John Hackworth was listing an article on The Athletic dot com uh this week as having interviewed for the San Jose Earthquakes head coaching job. It, it landed Donovan is considered the front runner on this, and he is of course head coach. You might need to double check the notes here. I believe you have Landon Dunovan. Yeah, I do. <laughs> you notice I missed that. Landon Dunovan. But thanks for uh <laughs> it, thanks for interrupting me. Yeah, no, we're doing you know, we're, Mason, we're doing a goofy episode this time around. <laughs> Mason, normally we don't we don't talk about the typos in the, in the show notes. That's often... behind the screen. Don't look behind the curtain, folks. Yeah. Only well, perfection on the on the radio. Well, it's a good time to break in and tell you what a throw-in episode is. It's separate from our normal one that covers a lot of uh, St. Louis City SC. It's an episode that we record. Uh, you know, separately, probably a little looser based, perhaps a little more blue, perhaps. Don't uh, be surprised if there's an E on this one. Yeah, uh, so this is just sort of a takeoff, but uh, that sort of sums it up. Uh, Do no van. Yes, uh, <laughs> so let me restart. 
former Bundesliga legend and had some time with Everton, plus played little in the MLS. Landon Donovan uh, is considered the front runner for the San Jose Earthquakes job. He is, of course, the head coach and part owner of San Diego Loyal in USL Championship. Uh, yeah, he should be front runner. He's done a actually, I think, fantastic job as San Diego Loyal uh, head coach. John Hackworth got an interview. That's interesting. Don't want him to leave, but he's done such a great job. I'm sure it's that has a what he's done with St. Louis City too has to be has to be noticed all around the soccer biz. Also in this is an interesting name for St. Louis FC followers. Precky also got an interview. He's currently an assistant coach under uh, Brian Schmetzer with the uh, Seattle Sounders. The San Diego Sounders. The San Diego Sounders. Yes, that's exactly (laughs) it. And the Seattle Loyal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There we go. (laughs) A specter is haunting St. Louis football. His name is Precky. Those were the headliners. Also on the list is Alex Covello, who happens to be the current interim coach of the San Jose Quakes. Uh, Ian Russell, an assistant with Toronto FC. His name's been bandied around before. And Ante Razov, uh, assistant with LAFC. Uh, Not a big name, but his name has been bandied around as a possible future MLS head coach as well. Uh, Out of the article, one of the most interesting things that was there. For us, at least. Yeah. Jeff Reuter commented and described Hackworth's role at St. Louis City SC as, quote, frankly unclear, unquote. In the hierarchy, you must say director of coaching and the description is straight up, but once he took over City 2, that frankly made his role at the club unclear. I think he's in there just as like an interim role, right? Until we actually find someone to take take over City 2. And then he just goes back to just coaching the coaches is my understanding of it. Yeah, I think that was our understanding. Um, If I can do a little bit of speculation and, uh, you know, I'm not going to act like I can be in coach's head, but I think that he uh, he wants to coach. (laughs) He wants to coach a team. So he probably came in and they were like, and who do you want to coach uh, the two team? And he was probably like, uh, me. (laughs) Uh. It slips my mind, even though I looked it up. They did have a permanent head coach. Was it Andreas Schumacher that uh, was supposed to come in? Uh, and there was a delay because of COVID coming over. And next thing we know, all of a sudden, it is announced John Hackworth is just going to be the permanent coach this season. Uh, City 2. Uh, we didn't comment greatly upon it because wasn't sure what's going on. So... I do have to agree with Jeff Ruder on this one that his role is frankly unclear. With Schumacher, City. Schumacher is the academy coach for the U17s. They did have a head coach hire, and it it, it just frankly uh, escapes me. But uh, I'm sure somebody can get in touch with us at Soccer Capital on Twitter. Or email at soccercapital at gmail.com and enlighten us for the next episode. As a matter of fact, we do have a question that came in. 
And it comes in from Twitter, at uh, STL Cinderace. It's, quote, Something I'm curious about now that we've played Rapids 2. Cronky owns the Rapids, but I haven't seen a lot of STL City SC fans make a big deal about it. Are they potential rivals, or does the fan base just not care about the front office? Or maybe they don't know. I found this to be a very compelling question. I'll give my thoughts first. First of all, I believe hardcore STLSC fans and St. Louis sports fans do know. But the big thing here is they take the Cronky Stan Cronky thing personally. To make a true rivalry, you need a give and take on both sides. Historically, citywide, city-wise, Chicago and Kansas City then become natural rivals. I don't think that because the Cronkies, Stan Cronkie owns the Rapids, or actually his holding company does, I don't think the Rapids even are aware that Stan Kroenke owns the Rapids, to be quite honest. Is Stan Kroenke aware that Stan Kroenke owns the Rapids? Exactly, uh, yeah, that's what he, yeah. Grant Wall famously came out about, what, two years ago now and talked to another MLS owner and goes, you know, I've been owning this team for eight or so years and I've never met Stan Kroenke. He's not listed as the owner. Is it his wife that's listed as the owner? Um, I I looked this up a while ago. I haven't refreshed my memory on it. But if I remember correctly, the Rapids are owned by a holding company owned by like Kroenke Sports or something like yeah. that. To which Kroenke's uh, wife, whose name I don't remember off the top of my head, but I, who I do remember is an heiress to the Walmart fortune. Um, is uh is like CEO, so I think like you know ultimately technically Kroenke doesn't own the Rapids, but yes he does. Uh, effectively though, I do believe his son is actually acting as owner of the team. Uh, I don't see it. I see the for the hardcore watchers of City Two. The actions of Rapids 2 in the game in Edwardsville against City 2, where they did a lot of gamesmanship, can harbor vitriol, uh, for a better word. Uh, but I don't see it as reciprocal, which is required of a true rivalry. And and that brings me to, to my thoughts on this. Um, and I said this when we first got this when this first came in and we had a brief, you know, think tank about it, this, anything that happens between these two teams right now, whether it's at, at the MLS next pro level or MLS next year is not a rivalry. It's not even close to rivalry. What we have here would be a grudge match. We want to beat RS. We want not RSL. We want to beat Colorado, not because we don't like the Rapids. We want to beat them because we want to give the middle, big old middle finger to Kroenke. It's a grudge match. It's not a rivalry. Grudge matches, perfect, perfect on that. Yeah. Yeah, my thinking is that, you know, because it's this is a, um, 
this is a personal personal rivalry between Stan Kroenke, a billionaire who does not know that any of us even exist and does not care whether we live or die, versus the people of St. Louis whom he has summarily fucked. It's personal in St. Louis. Colorado doesn't even know what's going on. I actually, I do think that actually there could be a little bit of a of a rivalry brewing with the Rapids 2 and MLS Next Pro because we traded wins and losses, including a game in which our St. Louis City 2 team went off and played basically the Colorado Rapids 1 and beat them, but then brought them home and lost. That's a lot more of an interesting story for a sports rivalry. But I think it's, again, one-sided. It comes from the St. Louis side, to be honest. Uh, Also, amongst hardcores, the people that are on Twitter and interacting with other fan bases, Charlotte's been, you know, particularly firing up, and we have to, uh, myself included, uh, firing up a little bit of a rivalry there. But that always happens between expansion teams. And if Las Vegas is the one to team 30 to follow us right after we are as expected. That will happen again on our end where we're protagonists towards them. Yeah. I mean, it's like Mason said, that's the, the, uh, the next pro in the, in the second teams. Um, what happened between those is more compelling of a rivalry, but that's because, um, you know, rivalries happen organically. You can't force them. There's a spark that causes them, but usually you have to have some heat from both sides, whether one's malicious and the other isn't, a la Cardinals Royals. Or if it's both malicious, like Cardinals and Cubs, you need heat from both sides. It has to happen organically and you cannot force it. Otherwise, you get the joke of a rival between the loonies and sporting. Exactly. And everybody's looking at St. Louis and Chicago being rivals in MLS, but they're going to be in different divisions. I think that the closeness of Sporting and St. Louis being in the same division is going to lead to a hotter rivalry, especially with I-70 right down the line, than Chicago is in MLS. I think we're getting a little far afield of answering the question but i also do want to say that people saying that that stl sd and the chicago fire are not going to have a rivalry are or that that they will are not misguided because well st louis and chicago have a rivalry in every sport and i reckon that we will in this one as well but i the big mls rivalry for like the big mls rival for for city is going to be kc I think that's that seems pretty obvious. I think so, but I think Chicago St. Louis will always be a rival. And yeah. Tio Luis, yeah, I think that we'll have traveling fans going up there. It's not so hard to get there. Even for us way down in southern Illinois, we can take the Saluki Express and go right up there, right downtown to get to Soldier Field. Yeah. We'll be there. Basically, ever since Chicago turned the Illinois River back way around and shipped all their shit down the Mississippi into our water system, we have taken it personally. That sums it up right there. So, yes, there will be a rivalry with the Chicago Fire, but it's not going to be the big one, I don't think. 
No, I was going to say, yeah, no, getting back to the point um, of the question, I, I there's potential for a rivalry to, to spring up from the young guys playing at, at, you know, City 2 versus Rapids 2, and then that might spill over into the MLS. I don't think if anything, if any rivalry happens between the two, that it happens because of Kroenke. Um, the fans will be, be you know, hyped up about it, but I don't think any sort of actual intensity on the field will happen because Kroenke owns them. Actually, if there is ever a rivalry between St. Louis City and uh, Colorado Rapids, it'll be because of play on the field. It's mm-hmm. not natural. It's going to be there because conference rivals. It, it it might even be because of play on the ice between the the Avalanche and the Blues. Um, that's that is a reason for a rivalry to that has been rumbling for a little bit to start boiling. Um, you know the the, the Stanley Cup playoffs between the Avalanche and the Blues, where you know Nazim Kadri took out Bennington, and then we had some real abhorrent behavior from Blues fans. So grudges on both sides. And then also in that in that playoffs, um, the Blues were the only team to take any games off of the Avs uh, before the 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 last the, before the finals. Yeah, that's uh, ephemeral. It needs to be sustained. Kansas City's natural. Chicago is just there. It's just there and will always be dump their shit in our river. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cracks me up. <laughs> Anything else to comment on this question? One thing that I had thought was um I think that it would be uh actually quite funny if uh if city fans tried to like force this with some like big cronky sucks chance at uh games against Rapids and then any traveling Rapids fans join in cuz I bet oh, that that's they, gonna they, happen. They, yeah, cuz I bet that they don't like their owner much more than we do. <laughs> There is that. But really, this whole show is really about the wild and wacky, crazy-go-nuts week with Heineken Rivalry Week in MLS. I was going to say, put that rivalry in in quotations. Some of these rivalries are forced, and I do not agree with them. But (laughs) And one is friendly. Um. Yeah. Uh, the friendly what a joke. rivalry. Okay. What a joke. <laughs> fucking but, fucking special relationship ass statement. <laughs> but uh, even though there was games, we're recording this on Thursday for release on Friday. Uh, but uh, the real happenings were a crazy go nuts weekend in MLS, and we're going to start there. And. For our usual MLS roundup, we're going to throw this one at uh, Sean Campbell. Well, before we get down into the nitty gritty of the, I I don't even know what to call it. Um, if you could take the the, Ear- the earthquakes, Team Chaos, and and expand it to an entire league, that was the weekend. Um, but before we get into that sh- shit storm, uh, we've got some off the pitch news. I'm sure you've heard by now Joseph Martinez went on an absolute tirade on Atlanta United. Um, and I have to I have to ask the question, is this going to become the new if we if we ever find actual video footage, is he going to be the next Allen Iverson talk about practice or Jim Moore talking about playoffs? I have to know. 
No, I want I want memes of this man now. Well, because it wasn't really that funny, was it? <laughs> no, well, we no, don't no. have the video. We don't know. No, 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 no. Look it up on YouTube. It's Struther Martin in Cool Hand Luke. What we have here is failure to communicate. Some people you just can't reach. What happened here? He wanted. That pretty much sums up what Joseph had to say. He really, I've never, ever, in so many years, more than dozens of years of actively following MLS, ever heard a player, especially the leading player of a club, come out and put the front office and his fellow players on full blast. He did it like you'd expect the leader of a team to do it. He didn't mention any names, but he knew full well that you could fill in the names in your head. Uh, the practices of the front office just signing youngsters trying to recreate the uh, the Almiron victory of buying someone and selling them on on the international market, getting themselves a name internationally. It's great for MLS, but they still keep trying it, and these players don't seem to be fitting. They don't seem to be playing for the badge. They're playing for their transfer, and Joseph called him out on that, and he called the front office out on that. It, it was, It was something else. That's about all I can say. It's almost as if, uh, it's almost as if, you know, Lutz has a sixth sense for this kind of thing and saw it coming. And that's why he's, you know, putting an onus on not going out to get these splashy signings, but trying to build a team as opposed to getting big names. And, uh, I, I think it's the prophecy has been fulfilled, so to speak in this rant that, you know, this is what happens when you don't go build a team, you just go get big names and then hope you have enough money to sign other people. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see if the if, if Lutz's money is where his mouth is, but he said all the right words. Um, quite frankly, I thought that what Martinez had to say was very refreshing because um, you usually just get a lot of like, you know, the guys didn't come out. You know, we need to be more coherent, more more cohesive. And but well, we got next week, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Atlanta for the midweek game had to put a fullback in at center back because they don't have any defenders because of injuries and whatnot. Um, but they did have a signing. They went out and got a 19-year-old Colombian winger. Like Atlanta United needs another winger. Man, they need somebody to in defense. Uh, they need somebody to work. Uh, the coach, uh, Pineda, actually said he doesn't need heroes. He needs warriors. That sums up Atlanta United. Uh, we'll get into this a little later on the midweek games. But perhaps he found some, and he said he's going to make changes. Basically allowing Joseph to be the fall guy to say that there's decisions that need to be made that's outside of Carlos Bocanegra and Darren Eels in the front office and what they're trying to do that needs to make an effective thing on the field because the guys on the field in Atlanta are playing like they did in an embarrassing game uh, over the weekend in front of 68,000 fans. It's immediate. Shall we move on? 
<laughs> yeah, I think we can move on from that. Um, so yeah, moving on, uh, we have some player movement news and such. Uh, first off, I'm just going to get it out of the way. We have another another uh, Jose Mari situation at Sporting KC. Voinovich has now mutually terminated his contract with Sporting KC, a man who was brought in to solve the striker woes. So that's fun. Um, glossing over that, uh, Pozuelo goes to Inter-Miami and made an immediate impact on their pitch, at least from what I saw over the this last week of actual on-field play. These things aren't uh, dissimilar. What it is is there seems to be a change in MLS amongst ownership to where things are failing with the way the club's playing on the field, so they're willing to take hits and take losses when players fail or don't fit the system. Pozuelo never failed at Toronto FC. Far from it. He's a former MVP. But he didn't fit Bob Bradley's system. They moved him on. But you're seeing yeah, more even and more. Yeah, he had that DP slot. Yeah. Uh, you're seeing more and more ownership willing to put something on the field uh, that wins because as the league gets bigger and bigger, being a playoff is is worth a lot of money now, or, or more money in MLS, you know, relatively. And for your, you know, your gravitas in the marketplace, you need to get the playoffs. Without Pro Rel, that's about all you can get out of MLS in the structure. Playoffs? I, I wanted to do it so bad. <laughs> Mason, if anything, this is so the episode bad. to do it. You gotta do it on the throwing episode. If you can't do it on the throwing episode, when can you do it? Yeah, yeah. The, the cheap and the easy has to be in the throwing. <laughs> But no, you're you're absolutely correct in that you know we're seeing in in two slightly different modes, uh, but still a very similar situation. Uh, players that don't fit the system, and instead of cutting the loss, you know, instead of just taking the loss in Sporting KC situation, uh, Toronto went ahead and moved a player out to free up a spot, then to then move a player in. But they ended up getting something back for that, uh, for moving Pasuelo to Miami. Um, but it's definitely a nice change to see that as opposed to you know just. Say, you know, you got to suffer through it and, you know, make it work, uh, make the best of a bad situation. The L.A. Galaxy, perhaps. Well, and while we're talking about Miami, because I noticed that um, I think we, we had already written most of these notes uh, for Tuesday's recording. Things have since transpired. Um, uh, the Philly Union made the very wise decision to buy uh, to buy Julian Carranza. Uh, which, oh yeah, I, I had that in my notes too. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's later down. But okay. go ahead, <laughs> I missed it then. But um, but yeah, because Larry had mentioned that like they should, and then like the next day they do. Um, I think that uh, you know, Miami taking five hundred thousand dollars in gam for that is uh, they got absolutely fleeced. But I think we should comment more on that fully when we get to that particular game because it's. Very interesting what happened there. Yes, it, it's 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 it happens in midweek for a reason. So I think it was a very. But again, we'll get into that later. Yeah, moving along down the transfer news though, uh, we've got a couple rumors for y'all. Uh, I'm sure you've seen it by now. Gaga Slonina has been rumored to be going to Chelsea, and my first thought is good for him. Uh, my next thought is wow. I, I guess we found the U.S.'s 
strong point when it comes to producing players uh because that's the third that's a third US goalie that's going over to be Premier League backup um so we're just absolutely cranking them out what what is in the goalie water uh but also <laughs> what what's going to happen to his club on this side of the pond because he was probably the only thing keeping him afloat at this point no uh, the re- uh, it's They're beyond rumor i believe it's reports he's been Signed to Chelsea, but uh, as, of course, as Chelsea do, he's now part of the loan army. He's been loaned back to Chicago FC for the remainder of oh, the okay. season. I hadn't seen any confirmation on that. I just saw I just saw the rumor, co- you know, over the weekend and said, we need to talk about it. So I, I guess more well, I guess I'll eat my words on that one. <laughs> what's going to happen next season then? Uh, well, he'll have to develop, but uh, he was a hot commodity. Uh, 19-year-old goalkeepers that play at a, you know, top-level professional league and get looks at their national team just don't grow on trees. That takes time to develop. He's was sought after over Europe, and Chelsea went and got him. Now, if I'm a player, do you turn down Chelsea for that? But Chelsea's known to just sign whoever they can and put them out on loan. Might be his way to go. Um... I but can imagine I think worse they, situations than signing a deal with Chelsea and then getting loaned right back to the team you came from. But he was a hot commodity. And I think Chelsea, from what I've heard, is Chelsea really does think that he's a goalkeeper of the future and want to get him in the fold and see if he develops into what they expect him to, uh, like a lot of us expect him to develop into. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I, I expect great things from from Slonina and I can't wait to see him and I I really hope he actually gets a chance to play over in Europe and develop and turn into hopefully the next Tim Howard for us if not better. So Radio Radio Gaga Slonina. <laughs> Mason, you can't just say those things and expect me to be able to <laughs> put together a coherent thought afterwards. <laughs> God, this is turning into one giant shit post, and I'm all about it. <laughs> this is going to take about four hours to get through this. And we're only going to have about an hour's worth of actual content. No, it's fine. I can move along. We're, uh, we can move along from that from that now report to uh, players coming this direction of the over-the-pond trade. Um, uh, I'm sure you've all heard by now that... Uh, Luis Suarez has been in talk with some MLS clubs. So he says. So he says, but, you know, it's Luis Suarez. I don't trust people that bite people in a professional setting when they're not supposed to. He's been dropping hints. He wants to come to North America and play in MLS for years now. And it looks like since they're playing right up to the World Cup that he's pretty serious since he's out of contract. Of course, he's also old. He's also good. Uh, he he better get on it. He's only got like what a week and a half left of the window. No, the window just opened a week ago. Well, this window isn't very long, is it? <laughs> Not for us. <laughs> yeah, Suarez does say that uh, he's looking for a team that's going to make the playoffs because not cutting off a month and a half before the World Cup doesn't fit him very well. He wants a playoff team in MLS. Uh, He's looking for an open DP spot. Kind of tells you, though, that he's been looking at MLS for a long time. Uh, 
Uh, he's had some friends to play, like Nicholas Ladero. I think he has an understanding of the crazy and convoluted rules of MLS, which is, you know, actually kind of surprising. And I mean, more power to him to want to come over here and play in this league. But at the same time, I think at this point, signing Suarez to a major player in the playoff race is going to it, it, it gives retirement league energy. And I, I think we've moved past retirement league at this point. Yeah, I mean, but- if he wants to sign a USL championship team and absolutely blow the doors off that league, go for it. Uh, Tam deal. I, I could see certain teams, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you, the Cronky owned uh, Colorado Rapids could use one of their many open DP spots just to throw oh, it, but they oh don't my- do that. They, they, they throw some Tam at him though. Uh, they probably take a flyer on him because, you know, they got nobody that can score on that team. Uh, another, another rumor that I saw coming over this way was Jesse Lingard has been linked to a couple of you know talking to some clubs over here but anyone that wants to sign him is going to have to try to steal him away from Everton and West Ham who've been in serious chats with him as well uh but the bigger implication here is what does this mean for the MLS as known as you know worldwide what does the perception of the league become because this isn't just someone that you know is like Gareth Bale who's on the later end of of prime but still has some good years left this is somebody who's in it young guy actually plays minutes for his country in a significant way. What does this mean for our league if he can come over to this side of the pond? I think you have to keep it in mind that it's actually a product and function of the MLS summer schedule with the Winter World Cup. It's a one-off. Guys like Suarez, like Lingard, like Christian Bale are coming into looking at MLS because they can play club minutes leading directly and immediately into the World Cup, and that benefits them. Christian Bale? Did I do it? I didn't know Batman plays soccer. It It finally happened. (laughs) Susanna Collins on MLS Today said that, and I told everybody, I'm going to do it. Gareth Bale. As soon as she said that and it stuck in her head, I knew it was going to stuck in mine. Christian Bale will play him in the movie. <laughs> Christian Bale is Gareth Bale in Bale. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I can see some validity to that. But at the same time, you know, it they they easily could pick any other league on this side of the on this side of the uh on this side of the world, because um, a lot of them play on that, you know, similar. Like they could go to Mexico if they really wanted to, if they thought that they could have club minutes leading up to it. But they chose MLS for a reason. Um, but still, even the fact that they're looking at us and could potentially sign here for even a short term deal means a lot. I don't think he's a bigger game changer than a Colombian, I think Cucho Hernandez is going to have a bigger impact than Jesse Lingard ever would have. I think just the fact that he's been in the EPL and played for Manchester United has him overrated. I think Cucho Hernandez will have a far bigger impact ever than Jesse Lingard would have on MLS. Oh, I, I think honest. as far as actual gameplay, I agree 100%. But as far as, you know, name recognition, that if we're still looking to get name recognition and top tier players, they all talk, they all know each other. You know, it could be like, Hey, I played over there. I liked it. Give it a look. 
you know, and I, I think we'll get more out of that from Lingard, less, you know, less of the actual on field. And I agree with you. Cucho's going to do more on field. Yeah. And I do agree that uh, players like this coming over feeds into this thing that you're hearing from scouts and observers that are journalists that MLS is actually becoming more and more and more of a destination thought before retirement league. Perhaps if they're not getting game time, they're getting to the crux time while still in their prime. They can come over to MLS and be a leader, they think, because they're competitive and they have talent and success. They think they can come over here and do it. It's becoming a destination league. Lingard is not a retirement player. Moving along, a little bit of a little bit of the younger crowd. Uh, we have, well... First to the older side, then to the younger side. Real quick, it was announced that Bobby Shuttleworth officially retired from club soccer. And I just have to say, best of luck and happy trails to you, Bobby. Yeah, should have been done long ago. And then (laughs) back to the younger side, we have another, yet another absolutely, you know, bright young talent coming from MLS over to Venezia specifically. Uh, Jack DeVry is the latest MLS product that goes over to Venezia. And you have to wonder, what is the connection between the USMNT's youth squad and that specific Seri Bay team now? American ownership. Marketing. I mean, that helps. Yeah. A huge market with a lot of money to sell their merch because their their, uh, kits are just beautiful, beautiful stuff. (laughs) That's oh, what it oh, is. Um, for his career, Jack DeVries would be better off playing for Philadelphia Union because he'd probably play in a high-level league. That's probably a higher level than Serie B. But oh, absolutely. I understand. If you really want to play in Europe, go. Go, kid. Go. Play your trade. You can always come back. Speaking of USMNT, breaking news. I just got an update on my phone from FOTMOB. Uh, Zach Steffen is undergoing a medical to complete his loan deal to Middlesbrough. So it's a good play for him coming into the World Cup. He needs playing time. Middlesbrough playing the championship. I do rate for any second tier of the Big Five championship is probably above uh, MLS. So that's a good move for him. As long as he doesn't get stuck on the bench. Yeah. But yeah, so that's breaking news on the throw-in. Love to see it. But uh, a couple of intra-league moves here. Um, Mark Anthony K goes to Toronto FC. That was predicated on uh, moving Pozuelo to Miami. And on the other side, Tyler Adams joins Leeds United, and he joins Jesse Marsh, reunites with him as his coach, and also joins Brendan Aronson. Tyler Adams signed for less money than Brendan Aronson. How much money would you have bet that would not have been the case a year ago? Uh, I, I, I would put a lot of money down because last year Adams' stock was so high and Aronson was rising, but not quite there. But Aronson signing for more than Adams, I think right now, actually, Aronson has deserved it. His development... The growth and, and, you know, the verticality on the growth chart of his development is astounding, to be honest. 
Hope he continues it in the uh, English Premier League. It's a big step up for him. It's not that big a step up for Tyler Adams. but That's more of a lateral move for Tyler. No, it's a higher one. But uh, I think he'll adapt better. We'll see what Aronson does. He might take some time to adapt at Leeds United in the English Premier League. And I think that's a challenge he wants. And I think Leeds United really wants the end to get Paxson Aronson, who everybody agrees is actually a better prospect than uh, Brendan was at that at his age. Uh, that that remains to be seen. We'll uh, we'll get actual actual. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, statistical data, uh, empirical evidence. That's the word I was looking for. Empirical evidence on that one suit. I'm sure. One last thing before we get into the crux of, I say that as if we haven't already been rambling for ever and ever. Uh, One more thing before we get into the absolute chaos that was the weekend. We have the official announcement of the MLS All-Star roster. They're going to be playing the Liga MX Stars on August 10th, I believe is the day. But the roster is, it's impressive. I'm just going to run it down real quick. Not going to give you. I mean, you should recognize almost all of these names. Um, we've mentioned 90% of them on the show before. Uh, we have Paul Ariola, Taxi Fontas, Kamal Miller, Tati Castellanos, Chicharito, Sean Johnson, Jesus Ferreira, Jordan Morris, Raul Rui Diaz, Carlos Vela, Sebastian Driussi, Luciano Acosta, Carlos Hill, Hani Mukhtar. Ilya Sanchez, Darlington Nagby, Julian Araujo, Emmanuel Reynoso, Alexander Collins, Aaron Long, Kai Wagner, Diego Palacios, Walker Zimmerman, DeAndre Yedlin, Andre Blake, and Dane Sinclair. Now that's a lot of names. Do you guys see anything, anybody on there that doesn't deserve it? Do you see anybody that needs to be on there that isn't on there? I have a couple that I can see why they're on the squad. It's an all-star game. It's for the fans. I don't have replacements, first off, but, uh, you know, has Carlos Vela really earned an all-star? But how do you leave him off? The other one is Darlington Nagby. I can't say that he has really stood out this season, though he is such a standout performer, that I really have no problem with him being on the team. And effectively, for the game, he could be a difference maker. So I really have no problems I have no problems with this all-star roster. I think it's incredibly strong. I'm sure that there are plenty of people on here that uh, fans are unhappy to see. But then again, people are unhappy that like, you know, Pujols is going on like a special vote that just meant that he got stuck on the end. So, well, yeah, I agree. But at the same time, that's that's a that's extenuating circumstances. Um, I would agree, though, that. I have not really seen anything of note this year that's from the players like Nagby or or Vela. They just haven't wowed me this year. Um, but a couple of and I have two guys right off the bat that I think would be great replacements for them. Um, one of them's Brandon Vasquez. I I think he's having an absolute career year and yeah. that needs to be recognized one hundred percent. And Darwin Quintero is tearing it up for Houston Dynamo right now. Uh, and if you don't pick him, Cifuentes at LAFC, yeah. he's having a year. 
that LAFC midfield is just too dominant to break up. It really surprised me to see Palacios, who I've been impressed, but not that much. Fuentes has been incredibly impressive for LAFC. Uh, maybe him over Nagby, but, you know, he playing the game. It's for the fans. Nagby gets the shout. Maybe next season, Cifuentes so usurps him there if Cifuentes is still in MLS. But otherwise, very, very, very strong roster. Yeah, you. there's always this balancing act, right, between recognizing, like, recognizing talent and performance and putting on a show for an exhibition game, right? It's an all-star game. It's really only for the fans. Now that it's competitive with Mexico just adds to that to make it a little more enticing for the fans. So a lot of talk about transfers in this uh, summer transfer window, but it needs to be done because historically, July and early August has been just dead weight in MLS. You know, what's going on. But now that MLS is active in the international market, there's a lot of excitement and a lot of especially starting with Nicolas Lodero showing uh showing up at Seattle Sounders and leading him to MLS uh cup final that the summer signings when the other leagues are out of season can really add excitement to what's going on in MLS and this being about the middle of the season being Heineken rivalry week got to get that sponsor in uh it has really shown with some of the talents that have come in, especially since the first game of the season. And to lead us in to everything that happened this week, because it was a thrilling week in MLS, here's Sean Campbell. All right. Now that we've gotten through the uh, the the off-the-pitch news, let's get into the on-the-pitch news, the important stuff, the stuff everyone loves to see and, quite frankly, is more exciting. Um, we'll start off with, arguably the one of the most entertaining and exciting der- derbies we have in, in MLS with El Trafico. We had another installment of that this weekend. And before the game even started, there was lots of fanfare and excitement because Gareth Bale officially made an appearance on the pitch, but he was not in Jersey. But he still had a, had a great day because he had just arrived that day in, from a, in LA from the East Coast. But more importantly, on the pitch... We mentioned him earlier. Sefuentes had himself an absolute game, gets himself a brace, and Arango keeps coming out day after day, being an absolute force. Uh, and and I mean, if you've seen this, if you watch this game, if not, go go watch some highlights. I, I you can expect this this rivalry to be just like this for the next several years. It's going to be exciting, goals aplenty, build up plays, great saves. It's it's arguably the most exciting one we have in the league right now. And Christian Rongo, you know, how good is he? All he does is score goals at an incredible pace. How good is he? <laughs> I mean, he puts numbers on the on the sheet. You know, he, he scores goals, and that's what MLS is here to pay you for, to score goals. That's why everyone blows their entire load on their striker. Really, Mason? Not even a laugh at that? Okay. Interesting. <laughs> no, it seemed to be just... Standard shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, this this game did not disappoint. It's what we expected. Um, and of course, you know, LAFC comes out on top because it's LAFC. It's what they do. 
you know, they're just absolutely destroying the league this year. Um, the only, yeah, arguably the only I, team that's better than them right now is, well, we'll get to them in just a second, but there's, there's another Derby I want to hit before we get there. And yeah. uh, that's the Cascadia cup action. We had Timbers getting the three nil win over Sounders. And that's, I mean, this has always been an exciting contender for dark for, you know, for rivalry of, of the league. Um, the first half in this game was all Sounders, but they just they couldn't put it in the back of the net. And then eventually, Blanco and his boys come down to the other side. He puts in a great ball, and Yuzgoda just chef's kiss. Absolutely beautiful clinical finish to get that first ball, that first one in the net, and then it was all Timbers from there. Uh, yeah, on this one, uh, the Sounders had made the decision to unveil their CONCACAF Champions League banner, perhaps the greatest trophy that any MLS team has ever won, uh, before this game against their biggest rival. Dropping it like a red flag in front of a bull, apparently. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Stephen Fry actually said they didn't discuss this with the players beforehand. They, This game dropped like uh, the inflatable did at last year's MLS Cup. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second most wait Great for it reference. wait for it this is the second most disappointing banner raising i've ever ever seen second <laughs> only to the raising of the nycfc mls championship printer paper oh, what was it larry henry jr said off air unfortunately that uh, he had a toddler blanket that was bigger than that one and he's seen it in person <laughs> oh man! <laughs> no, Any chance I'm I get just... to shit on that banner, I will. Any chance? Now I'm just now I'm thinking about that inflatable again, and I'm I'm thinking about like yeah, like the NYPD having to come in and stab it like it was that Shrek balloon at the Macy's Day Parade again. <laughs> Should have taken a little blue pill. But we have other games to talk about. Let's move on. Mike, you can't just say that and not expect me to laugh. <laughs> We're not even done with this game yet, are we? <laughs> no, we we're said about enough. done Let's with that one. <laughs> we, wait, there's We've a got lot. plenty of other games to cover. <laughs> and now we're going to move to yet another another choice, uh, arguably for best rivalry in in the MLS currently. And I'm going to I'm going to stake my flag in this one that this is the new most exciting. It's Copa Tejas with Austin. Well, this wasn't actually a Copa Tejas game, but it this involves is, Austin yeah, FC. Yeah. <laughs> this Arguably is the, the lead most exciting team to watch Tejas. right now. <laughs> I got a little bit ahead of myself. We'll talk about that later. We got we got yeah. two games to talk about with that. Oh yeah, but Austin oh, FC, yeah. <laughs> Austin FC, continuing their absolutely glorious run of form this year, putting up supporter shield level level play and numbers. Um, Atlanta was starting to put put together a few, you know, a good run of form with a good few games and they get absolutely shut out three, nothing in Atlanta. Austin went up really early and just absolutely shut the door behind them. They went up two at the half, uh, because, because of goals from, uh, Driussi and Maxi Arruti. And shortly after, after the start of the second, they get their third. Um, another big reason they won this game was because Atlanta put their best foot forward. They tried, but uh, I, I I am going to start nicknaming him Stonewall Stuver because of the the absolute clinic he put on in goal 
in that game. That makes four wins in a, four road wins in a row for Austin, and their steamrolling campaign continues. Uh, you know, preseason we talked to the Moon Tower Soccer guys, the podcast for Austin FC. I don't even know if they knew that this team would be this good in Austin. Uh, I jump in a gun a little bit. They're top of the table. Yeah, they're they're just playing so well. Drusi's at an absolute MVP level, uh, and the, they just they had a defining time where they had to play off playoff teams on the road for a ten game stretch. Most of them on the road, and they aced it. And they're really sitting pretty, and they're very impressive, and they are extremely fun to watch. The only question left to be answered by this team at this point is, can they do it in the playoffs? Because I, I I, think it's damn near impossible for them to be not in the playoffs, even if they drop every game between now and then. Um, not not impossible, but very, very, yeah, very they're, improbable. They're, but it's, a, it's a little when early they in get the season. To the playoffs. It's a little early in the season to be saying that they're like mathematically qualified, but it's close. I, I didn't say they were. I said it was close. I said damn near. It's interesting to know if MLS will be like uh, NBA because there's a lot of things you can tie between basketball and soccer that actually tie together quite well. But do MLS teams need to learn how to win in the playoffs? I think you do, uh, especially if you're a newer franchise. Um, I, I mean, agree. players themselves, they they know playoffs are important because they've all been in all been in some form of a playoff game or a knockout game at some sort at some level be it youth or professional but as a team you have to learn how to do it because that's when the guy the teams that have been around for years and years decades at this point they know that they have to step up their game and can you step up to match and i do believe that uh, a lot of international players even though it's you know anathema the way they grew up uh, with playoffs for soccer championships I think they're very enticed by the idea of playing these sort of cup tie games for an actual championship. I think it's a draw to MLS in many ways uh, for a lot of players. I mean, I think like ultimately it doesn't matter because there's not a Golden State Warriors in an MLS that wins every year. So Seattle. Seattle, uh, but it, you okay? Quite honestly, tell me, <laughs> do you think Seattle's coming back? Because even when they have their team up, they're not doing as well as we thought they should. We haven't hit the second half yet, and if it's not them, the Timbers are coming on strong, so they'll get it. Because half of all of the last seven MLS Cups have either been Seattle or the Timbers, so one of the two will be in. Mark it down. Mark your calendars, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, moving along, we had another crazy game. Um, unexpected result here. Charlotte FC uh, coming in and playing Nashville and trouncing them 4-1. to one. The Nashville side that's been known for their defense and not letting up more than, you know, a goal or two at most gets lit up for four because Carol Sadursky finally gets on the score sheet after a long drought. And he gets so excited, he actually jumps up onto one of the capo stands in the crowd and just starts celebrating with all of them. I think it was great. Um, there were a few scares in the first half, but ultimately, you know, Charlotte gets a PK 
Christian Fuchs comes in and absolutely buries it. Um, Charlotte had a great game. Nashville just seemed off for some reason. Uh, but good on Charlotte for taking a very important win again away of uh, away from Nashville. I use this term on Twitter. Uh, Charlotte eviscerated Nashville's defense in a way I've never seen Nashville's defense eviscerated. They tore them. They stretched them. They picked them apart and cut through them, especially in the second half, in a way I've never seen. Good on Charlotte. Keeping it going. So to another quote-unquote rivalry game this time, uh, we have what is being dubbed forcibly the friendliest rivalry in sports. This isn't a rivalry. This is is bullshit. Yeah. Kansas City and Montreal. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Oh, wait. No, sorry. I thought this was the Minnesota United game. Never mind. I saw an M in my notes. I was about to say, I misplayed that. Y'all head. Never mind. Um, So moving along to a different game in in the MLS, sticking. This is this was still rivalry week, and it's like Kansas City and Montreal. (laughs) Uh, Kansas City doesn't have a lot of natural rivals until next year. Next year, anyway. Sporting KC's weekend game against Montreal, and. very, very early on, Montreal goes up on a beautiful ball in from Lapalainen. And immediately, of course, my brain goes, all right, here we go again. We're down early and we're going to lose. Just, I'm accepting it. I'm absolutely accepting this outcome. But, and this is, this was the turning point of the game, in my opinion. Um, they ended up drawing level from... And when I say, and understand this is an understatement when I say this, long range effort from Roger Espinosa, 45 yards out. He's maybe, maybe a couple yards away from the center circle and just rips one, sees the keepers off his line and just arcs it right over him into the net. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful strike from Roger. You love to see that from the veteran. And, and, and by now it's a made official. It was the goal of the week. And um, it was a thunder bastard baby it was a thunder bastard i've scored a couple of those back in my uh grade school days over at the uh the selvage middle school for those of you that know where that's at <laughs> everyone's aware <laughs> yeah maybe not our out-of-towners but anyway <laughs> i know where i know where selvage is that's only because i went there <laughs> i didn't even go there but Tim Amelia keeps keeps the game level going into the half with some great saves. Caden Pierre has an absolute showing out at right back. Um, I think we found the right back of the future there when Graham Zusi eventually retires because it's coming. You got to know it's coming. It's coming. Um, but late in the game, Remy Voltaire comes streaking into the box. When that ball gets put into the middle, it's a slow roller and he's nowhere to be seen. And like a blue blur comes into the screen touch the ball and it's in the back of the net before you even know what happened. You blink and you miss it. Um, Montreal comes back with a couple of late pushes. Sporting holds them away and ends up coming away with a big three points that for a very, very, very brief moment, put them not in, in last in the conference, but that did not hold. You know, we've talked in the past about Peter Vermeuse and SKC and his future, but I have to say right now there's, showing their medal and his medal. SKC just keeps grinding through all of the injuries, all of the misfortunes, and it's impressive. 
yeah, it's it's always it's you always have to wonder how are they going to come back from it because they're you know they're always they can be down but they're never out. Um, part of that has to do with them getting they're they're getting over it. They've got people stepping up. They've got reinforcements coming in, and it's going to be an exciting second half of the season for them for sure. And uh, there's rumor of uh, replacements coming in. Maybe they can rec- make a run for the playoffs. It is MLS after all. Anything can happen in this league. Um, but speaking of reinforcements from the summer signing window, uh, we're going to jump over to the Columbus Crew and Chicago Fire game, in which one of those guys made an immediate impact on the field. Uh, the fire started out pretty hot. They cooled off towards the end of the game, though. Uh, the crew ended up bringing on their subs when they were down by two, and one of those subs was Cucho Hernandez. And he comes in, makes a wonderful run, makes a neat little touch to get around Gaga Slonina. What a and what a puts in the game winning goal. Beautiful game, and you love to see the comeback from the crew. Um, and you love to see the the midseason signings actually making a difference for them. One hundred percent. Speaking of mid mid season signings, we've got another exciting one for you, and we've talked about this one at length before. Ache Ache makes his debut finally. And in this game, it was not just about Ache Ache, but he was a big part of it. Dynamo just... This was... This game was perhaps the craziest MLS game I've ever seen. And that's saying a lot. Uh, there was there was a lot happening here. There was back and forth. Uh, the Dynamo pushed and they got a goal. And, you know, it, was, it ended up being level. But the biggest... The biggest... Well, one of the biggest things was... Uh, the fact that Ache Ache came on and not five minutes later, he he puts puts a beautiful ball in. It ends up leveling it up 1-1 aside. Um, and, and the midfield just looks so much better with him on. He's making great balls in. He's finding guys making the runs. Uh, exciting stuff that we've come to expect from him at, you know, in Liga Mekis, but also, you know, for El Tree. It's classic Ache Ache at this point. I can't wait to see more of it because it's going to do nothing but make this Copa Tejas even more exciting. This had a little bit of that CONCACAF feel. Uh, Jesus Ferreira scores in stoppage time to put FC Dallas ahead. He runs over the corner to to taunt a rather large crowd of Houston, which is good to see for a change. Gets pelted with beer bottles and debris and just soaking it all in. Uh, oh yeah, he looks absolutely excited to. He scores the goal, and runs right over, and just he's like, "You got it, bring it on, everybody! Give me your hate, it empowers me." And that's <laughs> that's what you love to see from your from your your striker, because he, he's the guy everybody focuses on. He's the goal scorer. He's the guy that's supposed to have the personality, and you see it right there on the field. This is what rivalries are made of, and this is the good shit. This is that good shit. I want more of it, please. I want a rematch of this game in the playoffs. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. <laughs> and it shows uh, they gave Jesus Ferrer the DP slot. He showed it in this. And you thought the game was over. He got the winner. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, no, definitely not. minutes of stoppage time put on the board, and it took longer than that. And we had the latest goal in MLS regular season history. And then after that, we had the latest red card in MLS history. This was just quite a game. Oh, yeah. It's it's what I'm going to be expecting from this rivalry. And 
really between the three of them going forward for the next few years, because all three of them made big improvements over the offseason, some on the field, some just in personnel. Uh, but expect these three teams to put up put exciting games on the field year in and year out for the next few uh but yeah, no, when you see 12 minutes of stoppage time go up on the second half, you're, and, you know, your legs are getting tired. And you're sitting like, oh, why do we have to keep playing? But it, it didn't disappoint in those. They needed all 12 to level it out. I think it's I very more. good. I think it's very good for the league that uh, Houston had a dynamic and full crowd <laughs> but really I'm... into the game <laughs> with Hector Herrera there. Dallas has made the signings. The Areola Ferreira uh, hookup in the attack has been very good. And Austin's just making them have to step up their game if they're going to compete as a new franchise. Uh, Copa Tejas is, should be getting to be one of the best things to look forward to in an MLS season. They're must-watch games lately. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even if Mason says he's going to watch a, a Copa Tejas game, you should probably <laughs> still watch the Copa Tejas game. <laughs> no, I will somehow fuck that up and, and then I'll have it. Then it'll be a bad game. <laughs> no, uh, no, 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 <laughs> no. There's a longstanding uh, MLS rivalry that's under the radar, and that's the Rocky Mountain rivalry between RSL and Rapids. And they had a good one this week. Oh yeah, it was it was a very exciting two two draw out there in Rio Tinto, but that's also because uh, RSL went up two nil and then ended up giving up two goals and leveling it out because uh, I mean Savarino has been absolutely fantastic for them this year. Uh, he he puts in a goal at the at the end of the first half in stoppage time after it looked like. They couldn't hit the broadside of a barn as far as finishing goes. And that's both sides. Plenty of missed opportunities. Um, and then early in the second half, Miram puts them up 2-0 after a beautiful free kick. But then if you give the Rapids even an inch, they're going to get back into this game. They get a very weak PK call. Rubio puts it away. And then late in stoppage time in the second half, Abubakar puts the ball on the back of the net and, and RSL, all their fans are screaming, he's offsides. You know, I think I may have heard a refuse suck chant in there somewhere. And uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they were not happy about it, but goal stands two two draw. Not, not exactly a boring game, but it was a good game to watch for sure out there in the Rockies. There was plenty to love in the uh, weekend games in MLS, but we're recording now on Thursday, so we can cover the midweek games, which weren't quite as crazy, but there was still some good stuff. What do you got for us in the most recent MLS games? All right, jumping into midweek, let's go. I I already I already teased y'all about another Copa Tejas game. We've well, let's let's jump into that to start. Start with the most exciting, right? That's so right. in this one, it's Austin, Austin FC, and Houston Dynamo, who just put on a dynamic performance um but houston gets beaten 3-1 at home and beaten is a bit of an understatement because the way austin austin just played absolutely phenomenally in this game uh they've been putting up supporter shield performances all year and at this point if you're still questioning their legitimacy you're wrong um but a neat little stat here. I have a, a official stats uh, records for Copa Tejas, at least for the MLS teams, because 
they do technically include USL championship teams, but that's a different podcast. Uh, the official standings at the moment are Austin's up top with a record of 2-1-0. and That's two wins, one loss, and zero draws with six points. FC Dallas is in second with one win, uh, zero losses, and two draws on five points. And Houston, who haven't been bad, are in last place with zero wins, three losses, and one draw for one point. I don't think it's wholly controversial to say that Houston has been the worst of these three teams. Yeah, no, I would I would agree history. with you. I would agree so, with you, but at the same time. I, no wins and three losses is surprising, but I'm not surprised to see them at the bottom. Um, Austin, I am surprised to see at the top, if for no other reason than, well, they're only two years old. But their their play and their performance absolutely cements them as as deserving that top spot. With uh, St. Louis City SC coming, we assume very strongly that they'll be in the Western Conference. Yeah, let these guys beat up on each other. That'll help us a little bit. <laughs> let them wear each other out so we pick up some points in our inaugural season. We'll need all the points we can get. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But going back a little bit to Mason's point... Um, is it really such a bad thing to be the worst of these three teams considering they're all doing pretty well? Like it's like saying, you know, yeah, you may be in 15th place in the premier league, but you're still in the premier league. You know, you could be in league two. (laughs) It's, it's, it's the inverse of like saying that like somebody is like, like first place in like the concrete eating championship. Right. Like, you know, like and and Houston, especially this season, has been good. They're just not quite as good as their competition. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's easy for you to say, Sean, uh, since you're not in Houston, <laughs> you don't have a lot of skin in the game. That's true, but this is clearly turning out to be a bit of a an absolute flip of the, the turn of the tables for from last year's competition, at least, where it was who's the best of the worst. This is now who's the worst of the best. It's refreshing to see, and I did not expect that at all. And uh, isn't it so MLS that none of the Texas teams make the playoffs that the next season they can all compete and be right in the fight, just like we've seen in California? It is so MLS. Viva Teas. Moving along. Moving along. We're Well, we're actually, back. no, not not moving along yet. Uh oh, because no, because that win for Austin puts them top of the supporter shield. They have now jumped LAFC. Skipping ahead a little bit, but a second year team is first place in the supporter shield. You know what? Why do you think I've been harping on supporter shield form all, all podcast? The whole episode, I've been dropping supporter shield when it comes to Austin for a reason. It's foreshadowing, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along to the next game, we've got Atlanta's bounce back midweek win over RSL. And I don't know if it was something that the coach said. I don't know if it's something one of the players said. Let's be real. We all know it's something that the players said. Martinez's Joseph Martinez's rant absolutely lit a fire under these guys' butt, and they came out and they won 2-1 on the back of Ronaldo Cisneros who had a brace in the first half hour of the game, and it looked to be Atlanta all game. Um, RSL got one back, but it still looked like Atlanta had 
turned around and finally found the Warriors that they, that their coach was calling for. Yeah, uh, Atlanta's got so much talent. RSL is a good team. Justin Merrim was threatening throughout in this one. But Atlanta, even coming into this, they struggled. They had a fullback playing center back because they're out of defenders. So they went out and signed a uh, 21-year-old Colombian, Edward Mascara, to a U-22 combat, uh, contract. <laughs> U-22 combat. <laughs> a, well, yeah. How uh, does that sound like a fighter jet? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Gonzalo Pineda, the head coach, did say he doesn't need heroes. He needs uh, warriors. I guess that's fitting. How out. can we get Mayor Tommy Battle involved in this U-22 combat? <laughs> <laughs> but part of Joseph's rant was, what is the front office doing? You know, son of, uh, reading between the lines. Yeah, Edwin Mascara isn't plays on the defense. He's a winger. What the hell does Atlanta United need another winger for? They need somebody in defense. Didn't we already do this? <laughs> well, you say, you, you know, the best defense is a good offense, right? You can't lose games sure. if you just keep outscoring everybody, right? I guess uh, Atlanta did outscore ourselves this week, so I guess you're right. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like best best offense is a good defense worked for Nashville last last year, I guess, but it's not really working for him this year. <laughs> eh. The next game is for frequent uh, contributor Tio Luis because he had something to celebrate this weekend or or this midweek. Oh yeah, absolute man of the match performance from John Duran. Uh, gets puts a brace up on the board. They get. A, they get a clean sheet against Toronto. It's this is the Chicago Fire, by the way, folks. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry, the Chicago Fire. <laughs> but this this one's just for Tio Luis, you know, has a treat. Um, thanks for thanks Tio for your Luis can have a little, little a Chicago Fire win as a treat. <laughs> He'll take it. But no, you, the Chicago Fire had an absolute great game. They they won two nil. Um, as far as I can tell, though, I, I just have one question for you guys. Where is Shabilko? He is not on the score sheet. He's on the pitch, but what's he doing? I have an answer for you. Um, what I've heard is that uh, John Duran uh, actually was signed a year ago, but he was too young under FIFA rules to actually come to the fire, so he stayed in Colombia. Being such a youngster, he wasn't ready in training to take that role. They got Shabelko, but Shabelko hasn't really performed the way that you would expect him to. And his fault, team's fault, who can say? But they gave Duran a chance, finally, and he really performed. Is Casper Shabelko actually... Going to be a $1.1 million transfer to sit on the bench in the fire? Hey, if they're as dynamic as they were in this game, let him sit. I mean, I, hey, I, like, my, <laughs> I like my joke answer better, which is that Shabilko is, is spiritually a Philly boy and is disappointed that he won't be able to climb up any greased flagpoles after winning a championship. I mean, you can take the player out of Philly, but you can't take the Philly out of the player, I guess. <laughs> 
But I mean, hey, as far as expensive pine pony riders, it works. If it if it's good enough for Arsenal and Matt Turner, I guess it's good enough for the Chicago Fire, right? Right? It shouldn't be, folks. <laughs> just, just it shouldn't be because that's that's a cronky team. And if you're taking advice uh, on what to do on 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 a sports pitch from a cronky team, get off my podcast. We don't. This <laughs> is again, this is an anti cronky podcast. <laughs> And but we'll get Once to that again, later. We are going to get to this. <laughs> Moving right along, we've got a we've got an, an actually exciting game in well, really an exciting half of a game um, midweek. We've got DC United and the Columbus Crew uh, scoreless at the half, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Taxi Funtas. Oh yeah, like- scoreless at the half. <laughs> <laughs> Not only just, scoreless, but dreadful at the half. That was an extremely dull game for the first 45 minutes. Let me tell you, I watched it. <laughs> I think the most upsetting thing was originally it looked like DC was going to be without their their arguably best player at this point in the season in Taxi Funtas. Uh, he went down hurt, but ended up coming back and putting in, putting in some good work. Ended up getting a goal. Missed a penalty kick, but still got a goal. Um and then Cucho Hernandez comes off the bench, scores two more off the bench. He came in at halftime, but still, two goals in at half, absolutely fantastic. Love to see it. If there's anything the crew needed, it was scoring, and they got it. Yeah, it's hard to say how much. Nice fight back for DC United after getting <laughs> scoffed by the yeah. rants by the union. Uh Seven nil over the weekend. Uh, how much did Wayne Rooney coming in galvanize this team, or just being embarrassed galvanize them? Well, I mean, you can't really blame Rooney yet. Yeah, Taxi Fontos has always been exemplary for them since he came in a little late in the season, and then you add Cucho Hernandez to this game. Taxi and Cucho are alone raising the quality of the play in MLS. Not to mention all the other people that are coming in, which the talent is indisputable. These two guys alone have raised the talent level in MLS. And you gotta love it. You got to love it. It, It's so exciting. Yeah, I feel like we kind of touched on this when we were talking about the, uh, the transfers for this window where I feel like this felt a lot more like kind of like a trade deadline kind of window than they ever have in the past, where you're you're picking up like big time, major, major pieces. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's definitely correct, because this is normally the time that most European clubs make those big, big transfers and signings because that gives them a full preseason to get into uh, get into the club and get into the system and make a big impact come the start of the season. But with this being the lead up to the World Cup and we're the one of the very, very few leagues that are actively playing right up until the World Cup, I think we're, like Mike said earlier, I think that's given us a bit more of those transfers, big names coming in at this point in time. And if you're not familiar with Cucho Hernandez, he played in the English Premier League last year for Watford. They got relegated and... He decided, despite all the offers, played quite well for Wofford. Despite all the offers, chose to come to MLS. 
you're starting to see it more and more from Colombians, which they're a very good international squad, like you've seen from the Argentines. I think they're starting to find North America is a very enticing market to them. Not only the quality of life, uh, that's been mentioned by the players a lot, and the World Cup, but I also, they're closer to home. And I think MLS has become a destination for Latin America and the whole U-22 and the focus of uh, MLS has really turned to Latin America, Central and South America. And uh, exciting to see what kind of scouting that St. Louis City SC will turn to that area of the country. I think a lot of uh, uh, interested observers are looking to see what kind of inroads uh, City can make into there. Moving right along, we've got a... I, I've said that way too many times. I'm going to say something different. <laughs> going to the next game, we've got Cincinnati against the Whitecaps, and that's another 2-2 draw. I'm sensing a theme here. A lot of 2-2 draws this week. Um, since, But the exciting part of this game was since he went up and then were brought level to 1-1, all within the first five minutes of the game. And then another 15 minutes, less than 15 minutes later, they went up another goal and it looked like they were going to hold on but the home for the white caps came in and said no none of that we're, we're we're both getting a point out of this one that's that's what's happening here it very interesting business even more than the game was what happened in the lead up to the union inter miami game yeah touched on this earlier but yes yeah, so we mentioned earlier that uh, the union officially bought out Carranza's Julian Carranza's uh, loan deal to make it permanent. Um, the the kicker here, pun intended. The kicker here <laughs> was the fact that they did this. They led up to this, you know, warming up, practicing the entire week with no mention of it whatsoever until mere hours before kickoff that they were going to do this. Five hours before kickoff is when it was made official, and you have to think this was done specifically to try to get to Miami to prep, thinking he wasn't going to play. Carranza did have statements and made it kind of known that he really wanted to play against Inter Miami, his former club that kind of did him dirty with all of their dirty, dirty work that they did in the front office. Uh, So... But as a loanee, he couldn't play against Inter Miami. He wanted to play, so they needed a signing. It is a great signing for Philadelphia. Even if Ure becomes the starter and Carranza isn't, Carranza really brings something to this team that's different, and he's going to get playing time. It's fun. It's exciting. <laughs> they win. He's uh, been really good for the, for, for the Union and he he came with a very meager price tag of 500 grand. But he wasn't playing within Miami. So Miami will take that money because they're under the cosh because of all their penalties. They'll take that. That's part of the reason they moved him on. They probably really were hoping to get some sizable, usable uh, allocation money out of the union when they, this loan was done. Yeah, I, I noticed that they did also get, um, you know, there's a there's always that uh, that sign on percentage fee. So I think that like, I don't know, you know, inner Miami kind of had to bite the bullet on it because they just had to ship players off as as much as they could. 
Uh, if I was inter Miami and I got 500 grand for the kind of production that, you, that Julian Carranza has put up for Philly, I wouldn't be happy. But uh, extenuating circumstances. Hey, hey, you know what? Inter Miami's doing okay shipping him off. It, this has worked quite well for them. They're they're doing okay considering expectations. Uh, was he going to get playing time at Inter Miami going forward? They found Campania. No, he's taken that role. Uh, Carranza's found the role at Philly. It's a perfect fit. It's actually really good for both teams. Moving on to a game that uh, was points-wise technically good for both teams since it was a draw, but shouldn't have ended that way. But now, <laughs> yeah. now we're getting now into we the get friendliest to... rivalry. <laughs> the the biggest joke of a rivalry I've ever seen in my entire life. Ever. The Loons and Sporting. The and another one of those games where it starts rivalry out. in sports. <laughs> so this it's is not a rivalry. MLS calls this a rivalry because they're both in the Midwest, right? And that's the only reason. Yeah, it's friendly. <laughs> and, and that it's and not the teams are separated. They are they are connected by I thirty five through Iowa, which I guess to everybody else in the country literally means nothing but a cornfield, which it kind of <laughs> is. But sorry if you're from Iowa. They're you connected by Heineken uh, s- uh, sponsoring Rivalry Week and uh, Sporting KC we gotta, needed to force we a rivalry. Stop giving them the Heineken rivalry. Heineken doesn't sponsor us. <laughs> um, Heineken, if you're listening, we've we've given you enough lip service. Can no. we get a six pack for next week's show? No, quite frankly, no. Heineken, if you're listening to this, your your beer is pig piss, and I don't want it. <laughs> Wow! No, we will not. No, we will not. They sponsor a lot. They sponsor a lot, sir. Cut that. No, I will not. I will not be That's silenced. I will not be silenced. I don't think we should. <laughs> I don't know if we should burn Damn. that just yet. You know, but anyway, a year and a half from now, when we get bigger and we need some cash, I will not be silenced. Damn. <laughs> Except now you will because I need to talk about this joke of a rivalry game because it started off just like the just like the weekend game did early goal. And I'm like, here we go again. Sporting pretty much had their their, their, the run of play for a good majority of this game, especially in the first half. And they they give up an absolutely fluky to, to be proper and pun definitely intended here, a loony owned goal. (laughs) <laughs> and they go down one nil, and the the you know the announcers are going on. They need to do something. And at half, they ask uh, Peter Vermees, "Are you going to roll the dice on Johnny Russell? I know you want to give him rest, but are you going to roll the dice on him a little earlier than you expected?" He said, "If you're asking me if I'm making a sub at half, no, I'm not." And then he goes on, and you know, shortly into the second half, he has to make a sub for it. You know, for an injury, puts Johnny Russell on. Within five minutes, Johnny Russell puts one in the back of the net. And we're level. Gloriously. Now you see how important he is. Gloriously, before he came on, uh, ESPN commentator John Champion, who I really love, said, Johnny Russell's coming on for SKC to add vitality and dynamism to, to the squad. Took him five minutes to add vitality and dynamism. And if you've seen Johnny Russell play... He is nothing but vitality 
and dynamism. Good for him. It, 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 it's the injection SKC needed. And it just shows that they just keep fighting through because they have personalities like him that matches Vermees personality. And they have the wherewithal, if they get past all of their trouble, to actually still fight for a playoff berth in the West. One of the biggest takeaways from this game, though, is not the the looniness that was. It's actually the fact that uh, this game was, if nothing else, an absolute wonderful showing of yet another great showing of great keepers, great young keepers that could be the future of their of their national teams, respectively, for the U.S. and for for Canada uh, in Pulse Camp and St. Clair. Oh, that's that's a great comment right there. That the, the goalkeeping in this game was outstanding. Uh, the offensive attacking output on both sides it was kind of open. It was exciting, and the goalkeepers were just unbelievably great. Uh, uh, John Champion called it the elasticity of Dane St. Clair, and then Pulse Camp had that one-two punch where he just made two back-to-back fabulous saves uh it, it was a goalkeeping clinic in that game and especially pools camp being a backup to tim mealy and he's a very young goalkeeper as is st Clair. wow wow that was very impressive absolutely i loved that, that was very refreshing to see though especially with pulse camp he doesn't get a lot of playing time because Mealy is just an absolute engine back there. He he'll play game in game out three games a week if you want him to, but can't do that forever. But uh, I think St. Clair's fighting for a spot that could potentially get him some starts at the world cup. Pulse camps just trying to get himself noticed. Uh, but either way, great goalkeeping game one, one. And at the end of it all, after all that good goalkeeping, I'm okay with the point. Um, and yeah, Pulse camp, I think for interested observers, as the backup to Melia when he's had playing time, has impressed. I think he's on the radar of interested observers. Coming up, bringing it back down a little bit, a little bit further south over to Nashville. Their midweek game was at Yotas Park. Uh, they were playing a very heavily rotated yet still dangerous Seattle Sounders team, and still ended up winning one 0 on the back of a Hani Mukhtar and CJ Sapong special. Those two are to Nashville. What Ferreira? And Ariola are to Dallas. Uh, I don't need to say much more than that. I mean, you're importance a, wise and scoring wise, yeah. like the, the the amount of scoring that comes from those two and the importance. That's what I'm getting on here. Not necessarily style of play, but they get together. No, it's I, but it, like it just hasn't happened this season. Yeah, I got a couple of thoughts here. First of all, Nashville t- needs to take to Toronto FC and realize that Ake Loba is a failed DP. Move him on so they can get somebody in to move in. Second of all, damn, we almost had a new who goal, but St. Louis's own Joe Willis just got his fingertips to it, pushed it on the woodwork for an outstanding and astounding save that kept this away. Seattle is not, it suddenly is in a, place to where they can't score even though they're creating chances and they did in this game they were all over nashville at points in this game but they're scuffling and jao paulo shows why he was in the mvp conversation and probably should have been higher in that conversation last year 
now that he's gone since he got that injury in the CCL final. Yeah, I uh, I said that this was one of the games that I watched and it wasn't very exciting. There were definitely some moments of Flash, but it was largely a back and forth affair. Um, yeah, that big save on Nuhu. Um, it was it was really it was a lot of stops of chances from Seattle that should have gone in and just didn't. <laughs> Such as the way the Sounders season has gone this year. They get some wins here and there, but they just something's off about them. Well, we've got one last game we want to talk about for you guys this week, and that is the Cali Classico, not to be confused with El Classico on the other side of the of the ocean. This is Team Chaos, the San Jose Earthquakes against the LA Galaxy, and it, this one was nothing if not chaotic. Real, real classic moniker of the weekend, the the Chaos Weekend. Uh, the LA Galaxy were down three nothing at the half. And I, I don't know what happened in that locker room. I don't know what fire Greg Vanny came out, came and lit under their butts, but it, it did something. They came out and they ended up making it a very exciting game and ended up 3-2 at the end of it. But it, it wasn't going to happen. There's only ever been two times a team has come back from being down three goals in an MLS regular season game and won. And that was almost a decade ago. Um, but at the end of the day, chaos reigns. Earthquakes get the win and boot SKC back down to the bottom of the bottom of the barrel. Uh, the Quakes aren't really so much Team Chaos as much anymore since they got rid of Coach uh, Mateus Almeida. But they've got talent and a thick layer of talent and a good youth system that they keep bringing people up. And... But, and that makes for chaotic games, but they're not chaotic like they were in our Matias Almeida. No, now that Cavello's in, they're much more just like a team. It's just that what they do now is that they throw a wrench into everything because you don't expect the San Jose Earthquakes to play a conventional style and disrupt play. They, the Galaxy have so much, so much more talent on their roster, but they don't play together as a team like the, uh, like the Quakes are doing now. Uh, that being said, Dejan Jovalik uh, did everything he could possibly do to turn this game completely chaotic with a brace in the second half, showing that uh, Greg Vanny needs to get out of his famed, uh, formation with one striker up top and play Jovalik and Chicharito because his wingers just aren't that good. They're not, they're good, but they're not playing like they should. I think the Galaxy are actually now more Team Chaos than the Earthquakes. That's a controversial opinion. I would agree with it. I think part of it has to do with the fact that Chicharito is, if I remember correctly, he's been out the last couple of games. Um, I don't know if he's been hurt or what, but with him out, there's there's they're definitely missing some consistency in their game. And I think part of that is the fact they don't have Chicharito. Nothing against Jovalich, but I think that's the the factor. Yeah, no, I, I remember uh, watching uh, El Trafico and kind of having that vibe, but not sure why. So, yeah, uh, Chicharito has not been a disappointment. As a DP for LA Galaxy, the hype over it was overwhelming. So forget the hype. 
He's performed for the team. Jovalik has performed extremely well and brings a little bite to this team. But they're defensively liable. Vanny is very sensitive to their defensive liabilities, doesn't want to commit too much to the attack, but their wingers... Uh, signing Cabral as a DP is just inexcusable. That's just silly. Uh, they just haven't performed that way. You know, there's a lot of chaos in the galaxy. Their best players are in deep midfield and up at the very front. Their worst players are on the wings and in the back line. That makes for team chaos. Yeah. And uh, that that's like the death knell formation in MLS where you need your strongest players largely in the midfield. Center mid. Up the spine. And that's what Lutz has done in building... So far, what we've seen with St. Louis City SC, he has built a spine. So it gives hope. We don't know how an expansion team's going to play, but it gives hope that the first season won't be an utter disaster. That was good. I like that. <laughs> it's a good way to bring it up. We, we, we summed all this up with the St. Louis City SC comment. I, I like that. Are we, did we do it? Are we done? I think we're done, and I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And if you're still listening, (laughs) thank you. Thank you so much, because we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Bye for now.